Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, I am so excited to have our guest. He is internationally recognized as a creative director and owner of Reverie Salon in Chicago. He's the creative director of Kaizen Education. He's a Naha winner, a 10-time Naha finalist in five categories since 2012, including the nominee of Hairdresser of the Year. He has led the Chicago and New York City Fashion Week. He is the top educator for Davines. He's a thought leader for his approach to haircutting, color, and his artistic photography. He's been featured in GQ. He's a visionary and educator, a husband to the very talented hairdresser, Sydney, and is the owner of two French Bulldogs. Welcome, Sal, Missouri. <laughs> Thanks, Jennifer. That was a very nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's just such an honor that um, you are with us today. You are so inspiring and motivating, and we just want to know all about you. So can you just tell our listeners like how you got into this industry? I mean, that introduction, it, I felt like it was difficult for me to pinpoint how I should introduce you because you guys... He has so many awards and nominees. It was like hard to pick out which one to, to uh, speak about. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I've been very lucky to have a lot of opportunities. Um, although I don't think luck really has much to do with it. Just, you know, how hard you want to work for something. But I started out my career in Cleveland, Ohio. I went to a school out there called Brown Aveda. And then I went to work for um, the salon that owned those schools, which was called Ladies and Gentlemen. And then I later became like the creative director of that salon groups and did stuff and helped run the schools in terms of like doing photo shoots and education and, you know, just played a, a big role in that. But while that was happening, I was um moving to Chicago where we were opening a salon there for that company and I was you know still pretty green in the industry in the sense of you're you're learning a lot those first you know five six years that you're you're doing hair so I think sometimes we think we come out of school and we know a ton but we really don't know what we don't know at that moment so I spent a really long time building up a team there in Chicago and that's kind of when all of like the awards and shoots and shows and all that kind of came about because I, I knew I wanted to do more than just be a hairdresser behind the chair, 
but I also knew that you can't really do that stuff on your own. You need a really good team. So spent about eight years um, at that salon building up this team that, you know, we've, we did all the Nahas, we did all the international awards, the, I mean, pretty much every big award there was, we were doing it um, as long as it wasn't brand sponsored necessarily. Um, but we, yeah, we spent a ton of time doing that. So it's, it's been a wild ride, but now I have my own salon. I own an education company that travels all around the world. Um, like most recently, we've just been hanging out and teaching in South Africa quite a bit. So I'm helping them redo all of their hair color education throughout the country. And then we're working on some other new projects based on what's kind of going on with the industry at the moment. Oh my gosh. I mean, your, your whole journey has, it's constantly evolving. I love that. You know, I read that after beauty school, you did intensive apprenticeships. Can you share a little bit about what that experience was like? Like, do you feel like that was kind of what steered you into this direction? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer that you need to go to an assistant program, an apprenticeship of some sort afterwards, like after you graduate school. Um, I think it's really important because you're going to learn so many different variations of, of sometimes the same thing, but you'll see it a different way, which might make you think about things differently. So I went through one with the owner of, well, one of the part owners of the salon that I first worked for. And then when I was doing that, I primarily wanted to do hair color. She was a fantastic hair cutter, like, you know, one of the best around, but it was something that I was like, I I love color, like, let me do color. That's all I wanted to do at the time. But then she kind of sparked me to go and look for some hair cutters to work with. So then I took about five years and I spent, uh, I'd say somewhere around about $100,000 total in terms of class cost, travel cost, everything. Um, and I was training with different hairdressers, teams, companies all over the world for those five years. So it was like, I, I kind of think about it as like almost paying to get like a master's degree, but I, I don't like to use the word master. Like I don't consider myself like a master hairdresser or anything like that. It's just, you need to see so many different things in order to come up with your own style. So I was trained primarily in the precision haircutting at first. So, you know, I worked with Sassoon a lot and a lot of the other companies that were similar to them. And then after that, I took on um, a very French side approach to it. So then I worked with some really amazing French hairdressers and then went through and kind of created this hybrid version that is what I feel like I am today. Wow, you just took uh, uh, the key to success is education to a whole nother level. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to invest in, but I mean, that it's proof that that's how that molded and shaped what type of hairdresser that you are today. And if you guys haven't taken a class with Sal, it's just mind blowing. Every, every class that I've ever taken with you, I'm just like, what? This is, this is insane. It's, it's just such an amazing approach that you have to hairdressing. It's incredible. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Now, when you came to Chicago and you were working with a group of people, you know, what was it that in that experience, do you feel like either empowered you or gave you con- confidence to opening up your own salon? 
Um, well, honestly, it was like, it was really hard when I first started training those people. You know, I've got a team right now about, there's about six, 17 of us total um, between the salon and the education company. And, you know, over the years we had trained so many people. I mean, we, I got burned quite a bit in the sense of like, you know, I would train someone and then they would get scooped up by another salon and offered something and leave, or I would train someone and then they would think they should move back somewhere else and they would leave. So it's like, you know, you'd spend so much time and energy training people to just have them leave that it's really hard to not hold that against everyone else. So I think there was a time period where it was really tough for me to like even want to own a salon because you're always afraid that someone's going to burn you, you know, that someone's you're going to do something and try to give someone everything. And then they're just going to take it and run and like kind of leave you behind. And, you know, unfortunately that happens a lot, but what really ended up happening was that the salon that I was running they decided that they no longer wanted to be in Chicago. So, you know, they, they have a strong business in Cleveland and they've got some great schools out there. And it's, you know, it, it did make more sense for them to be able to be in Cleveland because I was the only one really that had a connection to Cleveland from coming from that area. So I, I had two options. It was either I moved back to Cleveland and continue on what I was doing. And then I abandoned this whole team that I built, which then I would be doing no different than what, I was always worried someone would do to me or I, you know, stick it out and figure out a way to build something for all these people. So they continue to have a salon, they continue to have their salon family and they never kind of miss a step. So that's the real reason I opened a salon was that it was just to take care of the people who were around me that, you know, I spent so long trying to get together. It's, it's hard to get a group of people together. I'm glad that you brought that up as far as like the fear of, of training and then getting burned because that, I mean, as a salon owner, you know, it's, that's, we can't help but to think that, you know, but yeah. how did you overcome that? Like you were at the, this fork in the road of, do I do this or that? Did you just kind of say, you know what, it's like, what, what was your thoughts in your mind of how to persevere through that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, mean, I think that really I had to sit down and like talk to myself a bit and, you know, I had to do some like serious meditation on it and, you know, realize that, listen, people are going to disappoint you. No one's going to work as hard as you. No one's going to care as much as you care, but that doesn't mean that you can't care as much as you can. So I had to put myself in this mindset of saying, I'm going to do everything I can to help people yes I'm human there's many times that I'm going to be upset with someone if they do try to burn me again after this like there's there's no way someone's not going to ever again but for the ones that may be the loyalist and stick with you through like thick and thin those are the ones that you're doing it for so I just really had to grow up in a way you know I feel like I've matured a lot over my my years in Chicago because <clears throat> at first you might you know, react a bit uh, harsh. I mean, I guess is the, a good word for it where, you know, you just think everything's, everything's against you and or everyone, you know, is out to get you and all these things. And it's, it's really not, you know, some people are just making decisions that they feel are best for them at the time. Some of them just don't know, you know, we've had plenty of people who have, who've thought that the, it was best for them to get trained by us and then leave, but then they want to come back and work for us after. So it, there's, there's always situations that are 
going to arise, but just try to, to treat everyone the way that you'd want to be treated, as cliche as that sounds. And I, I think it puts you in a better mindset as opposed to going into it very defensive and having almost like a wall up, like I'm not going to let you in because I'm afraid that you're going to, you know, be the Trojan horse to take this down. Like you can't, you can't have that mindset because it, it hinders the growth process. Absolutely. You can't, you can't lead a business based on fear. And I think entrepreneurship, business ownership, it's such a mindset uh, state that you have to be in. It always has to be, you know, future thinking and uh, what's best overall. I'm glad that you said said that. Um, You are traveling uh, a lot, maybe not right now, (laughs) but you're constantly doing shoots and education. You're a salon owner. You operate this education company like how are you doing all of this? <laughs> How do you balance it? Uh, balance is something that doesn't really exist for me very much. And, you know, it's, it's something that I've always struggled with because I have a goal of where I want to be and where I want my team to be and where I want my businesses to be. So unfortunately, that means that I do have to travel a ton. Luckily, like my wife travels with me quite a bit. You know, we work together and everything, so we get to see each other a lot, but yeah, I'm sure she would like me to not work as much as I normally do. Although right now she probably would like me to be back at work since we've been stuck at home for six weeks. Um, but I love traveling. Yeah, I mean, I, I typically travel, I would say, 85 to 90% of the weekends through the year. I mean, just in the beginning of 2020, it was I had a four-week stretch, which I was on four continents and 12 cities, you know, with without a break in between. And that's Every day that I'm not on the road, I'm behind the chair. So most often I work seven days a week. Um, and that that's my only way of balancing it between both consumers and professionals. Because I, I always wanted two businesses, um, at least that would be able to give me a connection to the, the industry as a whole. So the one side of the business, like Reverie, is is just for consumers. So we're, we're handling just the public and, you know, cut, color, styling, all that stuff all day long. And then the other side was professionals. That's the Kaizen side of the business where it's, you know, understanding what hairdressers need to be successful and then giving them the tools in order to create revenue for themselves. So the, the balance I've found is work nonstop. And that's, <laughs> that's the best way I've found to do it. Well, it's a good thing that uh, you have somebody supportive like Sydney who just gets it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, now you mentioned that you've been going to South Africa a lot. Can you kind of speak about what, what is in the works with that? Can you mention color? Yeah. Yeah. So South Africa has become like one of my most favorite places in the entire world. So I was there for two weeks in August. I was just there for two weeks, um, in March, right before the lockdown happened. I, I got back two days before it happened. So, oh my gosh. And then I'm supposed to be out there again for two weeks in September and then a continuation of that. So basically a month, a year at minimum um, for the foreseeable future. And what I'm doing is I'm helping a distributor who is the biggest Domino's, he's the only Domino's distributor over there, but he's, he's a fantastic person. His name's Byron Mayer and we've become very close and, you know, we basically are designing this plan that is helping them develop an educational system around hair color. Um, They have a lot of different technical issues they have to work on in terms of 
things that we might not think about here. Like they, they had really, really bad water shortages, uh, I think two years ago. So they almost got down to what they called day zero, which means they would be completely out of fresh water. Oh so my gosh. yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And what a lot of people ended up doing was digging these things they call boreholes, which like in the States or something, we'd probably call them like a well, but Anyone who knows anything about Africa and South Africa, there's a lot of mining there because the ground is very rich in mineral deposits and metals and things like that. So all of those deposits rinse through the water. So like all the blondes turn like joker green. Like it's, it's something that you can't even stop. And it was something that I didn't really realize until we were going there and you see all these people with like green hair and like super dry, brittle hair. But then also a ton of different textures. Like you could have you know, kinky curly hair that's very thin. And then you can have kinky curly hair that's extremely thick. So you they have all these textures and and densities and, you know, starting colors, but a lot of people there want to be blonde. And so we're trying to really just help them become the best color as possible and teach them to be efficient with the techniques, be really effective with formulation, and then how to teach their clients to take care of it afterwards. Because the people there really actually do try and take care of their hair a lot. They just, you know, have outside issues that we have to help them figure out how to work with it, but also make sure that a country who, you know, their, their money is called the Rand and it's about 18 Rand per dollar. So it's very, very expensive for them to get outside education from, you know, the U S or the UK or somewhere that would typically be like strong education. So, we try to make sure we're really, really benefiting them and, you know, stay in contact with them and, and giving them like almost homework that we're connecting with overseas. So, you know, they become, they're becoming almost like my second family now is that we just, we try and take care of them as much as possible because we really do care about them over there. That is so amazing. I imagine that it's just really opened your eyes and you're seeing things so differently because of that. And I think that by sharing education and helping other people, I think that's, you know, makes the world go around for sure. Um, I, I believe I saw that you guys did a photo shoot over in Africa. Did you do a Naha shoot there? No, we didn't do a Naha shoot there. We did a couple shows, um, that were really, really cool. I mean, they have fantastic models in Joburg and Cape Town. So we did those and we, we did some pictures. We are planning on doing a shoot there. Um, I don't know when we're going to do it, especially now that we don't know when travel is going to open back up. But there's such like scenic beauty there. I mean, Cape Town is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's, it's somewhere that I definitely want to go and do some shoot work. That's like a, a real put together shoot. Um, but you know, I, I actually, like I stopped doing that huh? like two years ago, I think, um, I'm trying to think if that was two years ago, I think this would be maybe year number two, but it was, it got to a point for us that it was, I hate saying it cause it sounds kind of like egotistical, but it, it was almost expected in a way. So like, I think what you read off earlier was, you know, 10 times nominated. And I think that was actually like two or three years behind. So I think it was closer to like 16 or 17 and oh my gosh. We had almost almost every category except I think maybe avant-garde and styling and finishing or something. I don't know because it was like we don't do avant-garde really and the styling and finishing was like a newer one. But pretty much every other category we had, you know, either myself or the team or somebody up in it. So 
Um, now we're working on more shoot stuff that's for us. Um, so we did some for Davines. We did we helped them do some shoots to launch some of their products, um, specifically a lot of their new color products. And then we went and did a really, really cool shoot out in the Valley of Fire in Nevada, which was kind of like a guerrilla style shoot where, you know, you're, you're supposed to get permits and get all this stuff to allow you to go through the state park and take pictures. But instead I flew everybody out to Vegas from the team that was working on it, flew a videographer out there, my parents. So they were driving this like big van with everyone in it. And we were just like going to spots, jumping out, taking pictures, having the drone filming. And then we'd get back in the car and then drive somewhere else in like 120 degree heat. And it was just, it was wild, but it was so fun. So we're trying to do more stuff like that where we can just explore new areas and shoot for ourselves rather than trying to shoot for a competition just because we did it so much. So it's, we needed something new. Absolutely. I mean, with Kaizen education too, it's like, it goes hand in hand. It's a perfect platform to not be limited. Definitely. Now you said that you have a team of 17 people. Yep. Is that right? How, like with everything going on right now, how as the salon owner, how are you guys leading your team at this time? Um, So we're trying to stay super connected with everybody in different ways. So, The team of 17 consists of about 15 that work inside a reverie. And then eight of those work for Kaizen out of reverie. And then I have another two that work for us that one is based in Portland and one is based in Denver. So, you know, it's just, it's trying to stay in constant contact as much as possible and, you know, give them ideas of what's going on and keep them in the loop. But also because because there's there's technically it's three companies for us that are from the salon we have a we have reverie as a salon we have kaizen education then we have a kaizen bridal and all of them kind of intertwine and they're all luckily quite busy or were quite busy before this happened so this has been a really great time for our team to get a rest because like i said earlier i was in four continents 12 cities back and back to back all within four weeks where it's it's a lot of time zones a lot of stress on your body so it couldn't have actually come at a better time in terms of getting a rest for this break that we've been having but it also couldn't come at a worse time because we were out of the salon for so long but what we're trying to do is treat this almost as like a as a healthy reset for everyone so it was it was really important to us that we didn't push anyone to do anything they didn't want to do you know we've you know we've asked people to help out in ways that they could so a lot of the girls have been doing like tutorials um, for our clients, you know, so how to braid your hair, how to blow dry your hair, how to curl your hair, how to do makeup now, like they're just, they're doing different things to try and, you know, stay connected to consumers. And then I've been doing these like talks, um, a couple times a week. And I, ha- I have one this afternoon with the biggest distributor for Davines in North America, uh, Bassett, which the owner of Ward Bassett, me and him are going to talk and kind of talk about what hairdressers can do to like, you know, set themselves up for success after this, because it's, it's a stressful time. And we want to make sure that we're looking after all hairdressers, but you know, my team obviously comes first for me is making sure they're all taken care of. So that's what we did when this, this whole thing started was we had to put all kinds of plans in place to make sure we didn't have to, 
you know, lay anybody off and that no one was going to be missing paychecks and no one was going to be stressed out about healthcare and all that stuff. So it's all the, all the fun things that come about being an owner of a, of a salon with more people than, you know, a couple. It's you got a lot of livelihoods that are in your hands at all times. And this definitely is a stressful time for so many people. Is there anything that you guys are doing right now to like prepare yourselves for when you guys reopen? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to change our hours quite drastically. Um, So we typically work 40 hours a week behind the chair of open hours in the salon. So when I ran that salon prior that was in Chicago, we're opened, I think, around 76 or 78 hours a week. And what I found was that there's a lot of dead time in that. And basically, you know, saying that you have to have a minimum of four people on payroll to run your front desk if it's 80 hours because you're going to have people who can't work every day and call off and do things. So, you know, those things staggered in there. And then we were looking at the busiest hours behind a chair. And what I found is that if I could cut it down to 40 hours, I was able to have less people required for my front desk, but we were also doing the exact same amount of revenue in half the time. So now what we have to do is we have to switch it back for at least a month is that we're going to do is we're going to double everything. So we're going to go from 40 hours to a minimum of 80 hours. And typically we only work Tuesday through Saturday in the salon because Sundays and Mondays, our salon is used as a Kaizen Academy. So we're not teaching at all in May. We have canceled all education up until June Um, at least live hands-on education. So the salon will be open seven days a week, 80 hours minimum. um, And then, you know, we'll have other things in place for like sanitation wise and spreading some stuff out. Um, I just read what like Georgia put in place for their salons that are opening up in two days. And it's, it's a lot of stuff that's pretty straightforward, you know, like they still want to keep social distancing to a point. So Luckily for us, we're built out to be spaced out more so. Um, And, you know, just sanitize, sanitize, sanitize and connect with as many clients as you can. That's really what our our main focus is right now. Yeah, I think we'll all be approaching things a little bit differently when we return. It's like we've always been known to sanitize and keep things clean, but it it definitely is going to look different when we return. Definitely. I think... If, and some people may disagree with this, but we should be one of the most equipped industries to handle this. You know, when I was in school, at least in Ohio, State Board is like, you know, crazy. And they want to make sure that everything is sanitized. You can't use certain tools. Like you can't have leather cases. You can't, you can't have cork handles. You can't have any of these things because they might carry a pathogen or something. And it's like, I understand all of that. So we always had to go above and beyond to be sanitized. And now it's, we, we go above and beyond as it is. Most of us as hairdressers, you know, we always are, we're, we're the ones who wash our hands 20 times a day, every time we do a shampoo. And it's like, we're constantly doing stuff. And it's a guess we are dealing with in close proximity to consumers, but that's going to happen no matter what. Like it's, I think there's just as much of a risk going to the grocery stores right now and seeing people touching everything. And it's like, you know, everyone's touching every apple as they're picking up and moving them and everyone's touching these boxes and putting them back and doing stuff as there is coming in to a salon. So 
it's the only difference is, is usually in the salon right after someone leaves that spot, we sanitize that whole area. So it's just something I think we have to be really smart about. But I think, like I said earlier, I think we're, we're a well-equipped industry to be able to handle the issue at hand. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you said that, that we are equipped. And I think that we need to just rely on our education that we will be okay and be able to overcome this. Definitely. I think there's a lot of um, potential growth opportunities for a lot of hairdressers after this, because, you know, I, I track social media quite, quite a lot to see kind of what the, the temperature is of the industry, you know, and it's like, if it's, if it's running hot with like anger, or if it's just kind of like cooled down and everyone's not paying attention. And right now I think we have these like, you have these like boiling hot patches and then you have like these like cold water flows that are happening where it's like some hairdressers are not going to want to go back to work. You know, some of them are going to be super scared and do stuff. And it's like, that's fine. Like if you're not comfortable, stay home. That's what you should do because otherwise you're just going to cause more stress and issues for everyone else around you because you'll be stressing out. But then you have the other ones who feel like they are equipped who can go back and work. And it's a great time to like build, build things up because the whole the whole thing that's unique right now is that we're all in this at the exact same time together, you know? So like for us, we're both in Illinois and we're all locked down, you know? So it's not like our clients are going and seeing someone else unless someone's like doing like sneaky house calls or something like that, which even then they couldn't, there's no way they could handle all of our clientele. You know what I mean? So we might have some unique opportunities to build clients after this. If, if certain people aren't working and if, you know, it's, you, you always have to look at things as, as like a, a double-sided sword, you know, and how, which edge are you going to land on and how can you make it benefit you? It's, at least that's what I do. Yeah, we're on, yeah, we're on equal playground right now and we have to really be seeking where's the opportunity here. Yeah. So tell me what's next then for Kaizen education and uh, Reverie? So Kaizen, we're, you know, figuring out what the future is because um, education might be a little bit different for, you know, probably up until I'm going to assume first half of 2021. Uh, We're going to keep hands-on classes smaller still. So, I mean, we never go above 16 anyways, but it's going to be, you know, probably we can still do 16 people as long as we do them split between our two floors in the academy because we can have eight people on each floor with easily six feet, probably about probably closer to like nine feet in between everyone. Um, so if we have to keep social distancing in that sense, we'll do that. We were in the midst of launching some new education. So we're going to do some social media classes that will be like, like more like almost full day social media classes and like how to take pictures of your clients, how to, how to understand the algorithms and how to post and do all that stuff. And then me and one of my other business partners and um, he's one of my best friends. We're, we're starting a business class for hairdressers. So it's going to teach hairdressers, whether you own a salon, you're just a stylist, you booth rent, you do whatever it's, it's teaching you the ins and outs of money, how to work with it how to save it, how to make more of it, you know, how, basically how to set yourself up for financial success and, you know, some kind of financial freedom later in life. It's, that's going to be the biggest thing we're going to work on. And we, we were going to tour with it 
and we were going to take it. We were going to do one in Chicago, uh, one in Arizona, one in Seattle, and then probably one in Columbus and one in Cleveland to start. And now it looks like we might just do them um, all online. So we'll click, you know, send out links to people who, who purchase a spot. And then it will just be like a full eight hour online class with us live going through all the information and sharing the data and the numbers and walking people through how to set yourself up because this situation I think could financially ruin a lot of people. You know, I think there's a lot of people who weren't ready to not work for two months and, you know, still have to pay all your bills and insurance and all those things. So we want to teach people how to make sure that they're prepared in the future. You know, hopefully we never have to deal with this again, but if you do, you, you want to plan in place. So that's going to be guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most America is living paycheck to paycheck. And if you are in the situation where you have not received your loans, then yeah, right now is a very hard time financially for a lot of people. And I think the industry as a whole lacks that uh, business education for sure. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing that. A couple more questions before I let you go. I got some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's have some fun. Famous person you would love to meet. Um, Oh man, that's a hard one. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Come on, know, fire. Sorry. Uh, Ray Dalio. Next place you w- will travel to? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully the Bahamas. Favorite award that you have won? Hmm. Uh, probably my first Naha award. Who is the cook in the Me. house? Awesome. Thank you so much, Sal, for your time. Um, Can you just tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about Kaizen education or they want to follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, definitely. So anyone who wants to kind of, you know, see what we're up to, you can follow me or any of the other company Instagram. So mine is just Sal, S-A-L underscore M-I-S-S-E-R-I. And then Kaizen is K-A-I-Z-E-N underscore education. And then the salon is Reverie, R-E-V-E-R-I-E underscore salon. And, you know, send us a message on there. We're super active at getting back to people when they message us. And you can always email me too. It's just sal at reveriesalon.com. But we're here to help any way we can. All you got to do is ask. So just let us know. Awesome. Thank you, Sal. So appreciate your time. You're welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Hey, friends. Thanks for being a part of the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe. And if you love this podcast, I would so appreciate to get a review from you. And there's more ways that we can connect as well. Send me a voice message and tell me where you're at in your business and how I can help you through this podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of this. And until next time, you can be the game changer.